MFs, welcome to Hustle Like You Broke in Suspended Animation. Today, we are recording October 29, five days before what is arguably the most important election in modern American history. We're planning to release either on election day or two days after, so instead of our usual opening discourse on the importance of activism, of voting, of preserving our rights. I'll instead hope that everyone did exercise your right to vote, that everyone is safe, and that the civil unrest in our country and around the world is being contained. Of course, if we are releasing on election day and you have not been to the polls yet, get your lazy ass up off the couch or out of the bed or wherever the fuck you are, get to your polling station, sit in that line. If it's long, listen to this podcast. If it's longer than this podcast, listen to another. But do us a favor and vote. You know, my number one concern, and I'm not going to talk a lot today in this opening, but my number one concern for the immediate immediate future of this election, I just want to say, if Trump loses, I hope he will have the balls to concede. And I say balls because we know he is a skin, thin-skinned motherfucker who does not have balls. But I hope he will have the balls to concede and send the message to his base of white supremacists and wannabe militia members to put their guns down and accept defeat. On the other hand, if, heaven forbid, dear leader wins again by stealing this election as we know he is trying, I hope he will give that unifying speech where he sends the message to his base of white supremacists and wannabe militia members to put down their guns. Because I firmly believe the U.S. is on the verge of civil war. And I hope we get past it. I hope we can overcome, if for no other reason than to contain the spread of this fucking virus and get me and my fellow podcasters and our guests today and all of our hustling concert industry professionals back to work. And with that said, to our resident in-house militiaman, how are you feeling today, Brother Hamilton? Just just because I shoot straight. <laughs> I mean, I'm a militia man. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying I'm you balanced. must be, right? Because I have been doing my research, reading up on history. Does anyone here know what the Second Amendment actually says? Anyone? I'm going to read it. It is one sentence. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That is all. So, Kyle, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a good practice yesterday. <laughs> I was shooting ambidextrous left and right. Um, Uh-oh. Didn't miss. I put my targets up on, on, the, on the cast uh, thread later today. But it was, it was balanced. It was balanced. My uh, instructor was like, there it is. He had me shooting on one leg, one hand. It was all over the place. Still didn't miss. <laughs> all center mass. So you stood on one hand and no, shot. No, one leg. No, one leg. <laughs> staying on one leg. 
each I would stand on my stand on my left leg and shoot my right arm, and then I would reverse style. it. He just had me doing all the kind of things. It was it was an incredible session yesterday. Only only did also only shot a hundred rounds yesterday. <laughs> Pretty good. It was a good day. Nice balanced. You know. And correct me if I'm wrong. I understand that your instructor is going to be joining us on this podcast in a few weeks. Is that right? This is true. This is true. <laughs> He's uh he ha- he has he wears a lot of hats, and you know per his uh. His paperwork that he sent to you for you to you know to vet him, let you know that he's uh, he will shoot the shit out of you, and he will also make sure your your show is uh, settled correctly. So it's it's balance. Who is this? this is I suppose there are those who would AKA say that's a good quality accountant. to possess. Right. This is so good. <laughs> AKA tour accountants. Yeah. But but which tour well, accountant that can be so sure-handed? Uh, he's 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 even killed. He, 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 we're gonna talk to him in a couple of weeks. You have a good time with him. All right, there it is. Foreshadowing. Well, I like it, brother Banks. <laughs> exactly, exactly, brother Banks. How you feeling today? What do you think about what Kyle has to say here? I'm feeling good. I'm I'm very curious about how this is gonna play out. <laughs> Waiting for this conversation. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. There it is. Christine Dallas, what do you got? What do I have? I think I have that um, November 4th, 5th, and 6th, I will be ready to stay at home, have plenty of food and water, just in case things go the wrong way. Dallas is probably a Navy SEAL. She probably swims and shoots you. She do both. <laughs> you might be right. Might be right. She shoots you underwater. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> But yeah, that's Got it. it. Well, it's good to see that all of us have our cocktails today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Following yes. in Brother Banks' tradition. Beverage Thursday. Very happy. I think this is one we will carry through moving forward. Motherfucker, you got yours? Oh, yeah. A nice lemonade and vodka. Mm. Venetian Aquatic Club, Dallas? <laughs> no, I'm sticking with H2O. Oh, she's full Aquafina. I do see rum. Definitely not. I do want to point out now. Our our viewers can't see this. Our listeners, obviously, they're listening. They're not viewing. They can't see that Dallas's screen actually says Christine Dallas today, where usually it says it. Venetian Aquatic Club. I fixed it. I kind of liked it the way it was. I know. Well, you know, we want to keep it legal. <laughs> Legal. Got it. Okay. Well, so today we actually have a very special episode with two impressive gentlemen joining us from what used to be two of the most reputable audio companies in the world that have recently joined forces. Claire Global officially acquiring Eighth Day Sound in August, I believe. The process started much earlier than that. But with us, we have Sean Sturge, who will be known today as Sturge only. Sturge has been with Eighth Day, as I understand it, 23 years. He has been a monitor engineer, the monitor engineer, to some of the best, brightest, biggest artists in the world. Drake, Wayne, Gaga, Beastie Boys, Whitney, Prince, Dre, on and on and on, going all the way back. He is also 
I don't know officially his title. Are you? I just have global sales is all I have. Sturge, tell us what what is your actual title, as if that matters. My title is do whatever Sean Clare wants me to do. Far from it. Mm. You are so. I was thinking. I was thinking to myself, like, man, I got to follow that introduction. Damn. <laughs> well, 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 well. Okay, okay. Well, I am, so I am do whatever. The, I am the sales manager over on the eight day sound side of things. Copy that. I mean, with so due respect to Tom Arco, founder, president of the company, all I know is when I think of Eighth Day, I think you, Sturge. So to me, that kind of says it, at least from a personal perspective, and, uh, and that makes you the man. Now, that said, coming to us from Claire Global, we have Sean Claire, who will today be known as Sean, just to keep the differentiation going. Sean, Sean Claire, Sturge, Sean Sturge. Sean Claire is the vice president of sales, spent, as I understand it, two years on the road with the police back around 07, 08, 09-ish after graduating from Penn State University. He has essentially stayed behind the scenes doing business development as well as sales. And Claire Global, of course, is a powerhouse. So kudos to you. Kudos to your family. Obviously, both, as I understand, are very much family-owned and operated companies. But Claire Global has been, I mean, started in the 60s uh, by your grandfather. Is that right, Roy Claire? It sounds like they they left out of my bio all the landscaping and and shop floor sweeping I did. <laughs> it like start started in two thousand nine on tour. It's like nah. Well, That's okay. Funny. Well, I'm, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you an opportunity to catch us up. Give us a little insight on what we don't know. Uh, whoever sure. did write your yeah, exactly. Yeah, whoever did write your bio did not actually no. include anything. Hey about kid, go shut those uh, nuts and bolts out over there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, growing up in the business, that's kind of what we expect, right? I mean, sure. my kid is now 11. He's begging me, when can he come to work? When can yeah. he go on tour? I can only imagine how cool that must have been for you to come up around your your father, who is, correct me if I'm wrong, the president and CEO of the company. Sure. And again, your grandfather, your great uncle, who founded this company, great company back in 1965, 66, as I understand. Yeah. And Matt, my daughter's 10 years old. She got started this summer. Come wow. on. Oh, what wow. are you waiting on? Wow. I had to. You saying the dip, behind. I'm, I'm just saying I read the, uh, <laughs> the uh, there's a, you know, child labor laws pamphlet like this thick. <laughs> and there's a rule. There's rules for non-agricultural family owned businesses. And we slid her into all. She followed all the rules, but. She got to work. It was, it was awesome. A, awesome. It's a summer Ten of work. Years old. Okay. Well, I, I didn't realize that your company was based in Honduras. I thought you were here in the <laughs> oh, oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, my son started at 18 in the warehouse when he was 15. See, there we go. I had a, a high school internship in the warehouse. So you could toss them in on, you know, internship rules. At a young I think age. that that's fair. I mean, yeah, most and 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 the exposure. I mean, if they want it, certainly. I've already told my son that we're going to have him work in merch as soon as he's old enough to start running boxes back and forth. That he can be, you know, backstage runner. He could maybe Dallas can put him to work as, uh, you know, 
moving some furniture in your, your artist lounge and what have you, getting shit set up. He can be running cocktails out to motherfucker at front of house. <laughs> I don't drink and mix. Because we know how you roll. We know how. I'm pure. 1942 only. Yes, but that's after the show. <laughs> Are we sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll keep it pure. Don't mix and drive. I feel like I've seen your writer. I feel like I've seen that front of house cooler. Hey, but it's not. It's, it, you got to keep it chilled for post show productions. Uh huh. Oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot that there was an audience listening. My bad. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Kyle, don't drink until after the fact. That's that's right. Sorry. Don't drink and search. mix. Sean. I just gotta say that's not a school bus. That's a Greyhound bus. You're trying to throw the man under. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking during the show. I mean, Damn, man. <laughs> MF knows that back. I have... Give me back. Back, back. Oh, payback for what? What you saying? I always say you're the slumlord. You be trying to break people's pockets. So you yeah. try to say I'm a, I'm oh. a mixed drunk. Two episodes ago, yeah. Go back to the uh, <laughs> the core four. <laughs> got Check you, it out. got you. I see how it is. I see it. That's true. That's true. That bus was uh, right on my back for a while there too, wasn't it? On park. We actually had to slide out on that one. <laughs> Man, that's rough. That's rough. That's some bullshit. And, of course, we are here today again. Our core four consists of two high-level audio gentlemen. We are here with two of the best and brightest running what is now one of the biggest companies in the audio industry. I, I'm going to tell you, I got a little beef with the audio industry in general. My experience i can't wait to hear this has come been, on sturge and, <laughs> I, I i'm gonna be I, honest I, I I, i'm, I'm not, loving how he's picking his words relatable. he is he is like <laughs> so he's already backtracking and he hasn't even yeah. got it out yet come on matt spit it out i'm trying to figure out where to go with this okay i'm loving i got right now hold on hold on okay okay i haven't even started a drink hold on let me take a sip let me take a sip here we go <laughs> Buckle up, guys. Gold, gold. There it goes. Cold H two O. Hulk. All right, all right. Tito, that's Tito straight, guys. No, no fruit. Yes, got to give a shout out to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tito. They definitely make my days just a little bit brighter. Um, here's my thing, and I've and I, I've I've said this loud and clear to owners of audio companies. Neither yours, for the record, neither of yours. But I have said this to multiple audio vendors. And I've also said this to a number of guests that we've had on the show. First of all, I find that the vast majority of people that really advance to the highest levels in the industry on, in a touring capacity are rarely audio people. They're usually lighting and video people, which begs the question, why is it the audio guys don't ever take over and run tours? They might run great companies, but they don't necessarily, they're very rarely the ones who become the high-level production managers running tours, which I am very curious about. My other question, the other thing I'm going to say, and Sturge, I see you're already like, uh-uh. I'm, I'm like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Um, I, look, I, I want to be school. But the other thing is, and I've said this to multiple audio vendors and banks and motherfucker know exactly who specifically I'm referring to when I say this, that I find the people who do the books and the accounting at one audio particular, audio vendor in particular, but actually two that I can think of. I'm all, It's like I'm chasing them and begging them to pay them. 
I don't understand the way business is getting done. Now, clearly, that is not a thing with Claire Global and Eighth Day because you guys are clearly out to be the powers in the industry moving forward. But correct me if I'm wrong, the audio industry in general, it needs it needs you to be the savior that kind of resets and restores faith in the high level of business that is being done at audio companies and by audio vendors. How's that for a setup, please? Well, Sean Claire, what? Oh no, Sean Stern. No, Stern, I'm going go first, in first. Is all so serious. let's. I would honestly say, uh, <laughs> let's go with Huggy. Right, Huggy in the '80s started as a sound engineer. And he has become mm-hmm. one of the top tour managers for a lot of large acts. Um, and when it comes to managers, Richard, who used to work here, is now uh, Shania Twain's manager. And he's over at Maverick, so, and he started as a sound guy. So there are two sound examples that, you know, ended up in very successful positions as sound guys. Um the history of sound engineers, as two of your co-hosts will say, is a very comfortable and rewarding position that we never want to leave it because it's such a rewarding thing to have a show and do a great job mixing a show that most sound guys don't run away from being a sound guy because it's so rewarding. You know, that's why Claire, Claire have sound engineers that have been there for 40 years Eight Day Sound have engineers that's been around for 30 years, you know. Um, it's just such a rewarding part of a show. It's like, all right, your ass make the record, but you're not sounding good in this show without me. So guess what? You know, the lighting guy could flash some lights and whatever. Like, he doesn't go to Jimmy Fallon, you know. <laughs> He's not going to every event that this artist do to make sure this artist sound like Janet Jackson everywhere she goes, it's you, the sound guy. So it's such a rewarding position. We hate leaving it. I Nailed it. gotta concur. I, can, I must concur. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, you figure at the end of the day on any given night when you're doing real arenas, you got 20, 30,000 people loving what you're doing. So that, that is a instant. You just sitting around looking around like, yo, that's, I'm part of what's going on on that stage. Yeah, I agree. Okay, okay, I'm with that. I'm with that. That's a good answer, Sean Claire. What do you have to say to all that? Well, I my think- PA was killing. Not play. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is as well when when you look at the audio community, most everybody got in there because of passion. Where when you do look at the other disciplines, they're you know they're they're bigger line items on the budget. And so naturally, the business community rolls there. Like audio, it's not a big part of that budget. It's not big, flashy cash flows. So the lighting and video communities where those, you know, business-minded people kind of navigated to force. So I can't, I can't say you can hold that against us, Matt. It's not, it's not a bad thing. A quick question, quick question. I, I Although Sean Sturge, he likes you? to get paid. I think he's oh, invoicing we, we, pretty we, quickly. But Claire, Sean Claire, <laughs> my question is this. Why is it now we, the audio side, is almost like an afterthought. But if the show sounds terrible, they say the artist sounds garbage. If it looks terrible, they won't say she look, he or she looked bad. And sound is now, on the hierarchy, you got 
video first, lights, then sound. And they're always trying to strike us. You know, can we get, can you get away with, do you need PA here? Do you need PA there? I mean, why is it now, it used to, it reversed. I mean, sound used to be primary. And now it's, you know, third It's an afterthought, right? It's an afterthought. I would say that's because a lot of, um, the people who design shows nowadays are sitting in front of a laptop and all they care about is their design that they put on paper. And, you know, they're not thinking, oh, wait, where does the PA need to go? No, they're right. thinking if I get more lights on this design and I get more set pieces on design, I get a bigger paycheck. And I mm-hmm. do not want that line array in the way of mm-hmm. <laughs> of my design that I'm going to lose a thousand to ten thousand dollars on because mm-hmm. you put your line array where it shouldn't be and it's costing me money. So unfortunately, what? it's it, Matt. It's, there I'm gonna, you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree slightly, not on premise. I agree with what you're saying in theory, but I don't think it's an afterthought. I think it's taken for granted. That's what I think. I think yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's a given. I think that we just assume falsely. I'm not gonna argue that there's a that this is the right thing, but I think it is assumed that the audio is just it. it of course, there's going to be audio. And whether it's good audio, bad audio, I mean, the, the majority of people out there realize, you know, I'm, I'm vastly outnumbered here. So, you know, you guys are all going to, it would be, well, let's just say we, we will agree on this, that audio is not something to be taken for granted. That's, so why you, know, you cut it needs the audio to be the right PA. <laughs> I, I don't cut the audio budget, motherfucker. You just like to say so. Uh, but it... it the, the, the funny thing about this dynamic, I should say, for anyone that hasn't listened to all of our episodes, is while Kyle and I fuck with each other constantly, and he likes to be say that I'm this bully that's always fucking with his money, the reality is I always say that he is one of the best front of house operators in the business, and that I do believe in the importance of a clean, crisp, clear well-balanced PA and there are very few in my estimation that achieve that the way you do motherfucker. So fuck you. And that's all I'm going to say on that. I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> so let me up. ask how many times have you asked him to move the subs because you need to put down more seats. Okay. Can we move the subs so we can put more seats in place or, or to sell more house. tickets? But that, uh-huh. that's not, that's not an afterthought. That's a, can we make more money? So move your damn subs. Or on the stadium run, usually, you split front of house I'm, to left and right, and you hey, have to mix yeah, listening to one side of the PA. But, but wait a sec, wait a second. Let me answer the question. MF, let's be honest. I, like you, prefer to add subs, not move them, not take them away. I do think that they, they need to be evenly spread. They should not be pushed to the wings or under the stage. I am an advocate of good audio, am I not? Yeah, I will give you that. I will give you that. As a sound company vendor, I'm happy you add subs. But the power, but the powers you you the powers that be that you answer to feel different. That's not a universal <laughs> truth, but sometimes it might be. I'm just gonna leave it alone. So let's let's actually go back here. I'm glad this is this has been a good setup, and I'm glad that we've got to this point already. But but let's for our listeners' sake go back, rewind a little bit. Let's hear it from our guests. Say a little bit about themselves. I like to hear who they are 
where they come from. I think one of the things that makes our podcast different is we take no preconceived notions into these conversations. Sturge, please. I obviously rattled off some high level, you know, artists that you've toured with, but how did you get here? Who are you? How, how did I get here? About um, pretty quick, pretty simple. I grew up on the island of Trinidad and Tobago. In 1990, we had a coup. I was in high school at the time. Uh, because of curfew, they used to have massive curfew parties. And the guys that lived next door to me, Marlon John, he, um, they would go have these 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew parties. After the curfew party, they would go to the recording studio. What do you do with six months of late night curfews? Go to shows and you go to the studio. So I was in the computers at the time, Pro Tools, being in the studio, I learned pretty quick. I thought it was pretty cool. They had the nicest cars, nicest girls on the island. Uh, so yeah, it's what I, I wanted to do. Uh, within a year, I was mixing, I was in the studio. I told a story early on this week. Barrington Levy flew to Trinidad, his artists, he rehearsed at the studio because it was the largest room. His engineer missed the flight. I ended up mixing the show. Shout out to Rebecca Foster again. She had a Rev 7. This was in 19, 1991. Uh, after that, I started mixing acts that would come down without engineers at the age of 17. Uh, met Tim Colvard, met uh, Mike Parker. They came down with MC Hammer. Um, they were made, you know, Mike Parker always made fun of me because he saw me mixing monitors without a Q wedge because MC Hammer needed all the damn wedges on the island. So it was your fault. I didn't have a Q wedge Parker. Mm -hmm. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, yeah, that was it. And uh, my, um, my grandfather is American. So I've always had a green card. I used to come to the U S all the time. Uh, because in the islands you do any and everything, I didn't want to move to the U.S. So I moved to the U.S. on my 21st birthday. Um, it just so happened while working in South America, I used to do tours. So I did like a Genesis tour, UB40 Red Red Wine tour in South America. Uh, and one of the guys I met on the Genesis tour was a guy named Art Isaac that was strictly there with wedges from Maryland Sound. And he's like, bro, you know, there's a few African-Americans that work for Maryland Sound. If you ever come to the U.S., just give me a call. Gave them a call. Uh, I came on a Thursday. By the, the Saturday, they had me doing a free gig for them at um, Waldorf Historia with John Cicada. Uh, I went past the stage. A few days later, I went down to Maryland Sound. Um, it just so happened Bill Reeves was the production manager for Barry White, and he told all the vendors you have to have a minority on each department if you want to be on the tour. So Maryland Sound, you can have whoever you want, but you have to have black, Asian, female on your crew. Latin company, you have to have a minority. It just so happened I was in the right place at the right time. Carlton Brown was busy because they were working for Maryland Sound at the time. Uh, Mike Parker was out with Whitney. Um, so... That was it. I was it. So I ended up with Barry White and took off from there. Yeah, my start 
I guess would have been just a little earlier. I was talking about my daughter. Um, and it's funny it, in the Claire family, you're just born into it. We, you know, I said she started this summer, but she started at the, you know, at the shop this summer. We talk about work all day, every day at the dinner table there at breakfast. So it's like, you feel like you're part of the business even before you're, you're collecting your first paycheck. And then, you know, you start with landscaping and floors and eventually you're packing caddies and working in the e-shop and building speakers. And, you know, it, it, it just progresses from there. I mean, it's, it's funny. I've, I've learned over time how really strange my entry point into the industry is because I, I literally never have imagined myself anywhere else. And so everything I've ever done has really been in the, in the progress of eventually being able to help the company and the people that are in it, you know, do the best they can do. Well, it's funny because you called me out. You called me out when we, we began because Ah. I made reference to, you know, you starting after college and I left out, but I, what I thought I was doing was calling attention to the actual touring experience you had, as opposed to just being an office guy. Because one thing I think that is interesting about the dynamic between the two of you gentlemen today is that you, Sean Claire are more of a, you know, you've run the office, you've been on the development side from an office perspective, Sturge, you've been spent more of your time on the road, you are the head rep for, you know, so many of us, as I said before, um, and, and I mean it, when, when I think of eighth day, I think of you, you are the, the one person that, uh, you know, gets that call. Um, but you definitely come from a different perspective in terms of how you've arrived at the positions you are today, working hand in hand, side by side on developing this new, you know, super company. Sure. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I I would say you know the um, why is Claire and Eight Day together because of people like Kyle and you know and Chris because they want the best every single time, and if you don't have it, they'll go to another vendor. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day. They have two of the major uh, PA systems out there. We have two of the major PA systems. Let's put all our inventory in one place. A console is a console. And um, give Kyle, if he wants a cohesion today and a, you know, a El Acoustic for another tour next week, we have it. You can go one place and get whatever you want. We're the, we're the Amazon or uh, well, you know what I'm saying. We're at Walmart. Yeah. There's one place to shop, man, and that's it. It's just like with every artist you work with, you're gonna use, you know, you're gonna use something different. I yeah. know how we're not buying the VPA. I'm gonna tell you that. Right oh. Okay. Again, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't pay for them. I make my request. Whatever it is, is what it's gonna be. Okay, because you know? four is enough. We have four. Like it's already <laughs> headache and work. Like you know, be we're, we'll be good at four and done. Like, but at the end of the day, you you can make you know 
all PAs, especially at this juncture, all PAs are pretty much solid. You know, it's about yeah. the crew that comes with it. I mean, I could have mm-hmm. a new PA and a terrible tech, and it sound garbage. Yeah, yeah absolutely you know, right about that. I, I could have a cohesion that has that sounds awesome out the gate, and if it's set up wrong, it'll sound whack too. So it's all about the the the, the client the. Look. The, the people tech. that come with it, the tech that come with it, you know. Yeah. So, but and then me knowing how to communicate with the tech of what I'm looking for, you know, that's what problem I know. So, with a lot of the younger engineers out here, they don't know how to communicate with their systems engineer. And when you don't have that comic conversation, and or if you don't know what to ask for, you know, they do what they do, and right. you know, and, and unfortunately, from that to even programming your desk, a lot of these young cats lean too heavy on the SEs. And at the end of the day, the SEs should be getting that guy's check because he's basically doing the job for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with um, Aiden and Claire, you know, they've, they've, they've always been solid with me. You know, with, with any company, you have issues. You know, that's just yeah, the nature of the game, is. you know. But it's about, at the end of the day, customer service. Where, uh, where we are anywhere on the face of the earth, can we get what we need? And that is the other reason too, right? Yeah, that was the context I was going to add is step back from the product for a second. Mm -hmm. The way we look at it, it's our our business model is super simple. We look for aspirational people, like people that are really passionate and care about what they do. And we know that if we find a way to work with them, then we'll get to work on the most interesting, you know, projects that are out there and the rest of it will work its way out. So, mm-hmm. you know, when Sturge points out, like, it, it's it's maybe funny, Kyle and Chris, to think about this, but when we're sitting down here, we're, think, we, we're literally sitting there going, okay, why are we not working with Kyle or Chris or people that we're not working? Like, we obsess over mm-hmm. wanting to work with the best. And when, when you look at the eighth day team, I mean, there are some phenomenal people on, I mean, I was blown away when we finally got the chance to talk. First off, instantly you go from Tom Marco to the rest of the team. There Mm -hmm. is complete transparency. They are all in it together. And then you look at it and you go, holy shit, that next generation, you know, the, the Sturges and I mean, on and on Megan home, you start looking at the people that are driving that company and they are awesome. They know what they do inside and out. And that's what gets us out of bed every morning is, mm-hmm. all right, now we get to work with these A players and the gigs will come, you know, because good people want to work with good people. How many employees do you now have? Let's answer that question. <laughs> um, we have. Yeah, in, I'm in, glad Sturge came because I'm terrible at that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, in total. Uh, company-wide, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, right. we had to do furloughs. But once we have everybody back in place within the entire organization, it's going to be 720. Fantastic. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, wow. And that's wow. that's worldwide? Yeah, it's worldwide. Wow. That's, that's awesome. with uh, JPJ, 8-Day Australia, um, Claire and 8-Day Los Angeles, Cleveland, Lidditz, uh installs, hmm. the two wow. UK companies, Switzerland. You know, it's funny. I'm so terrible at answering questions like that because from from where I sit, I'm just thinking about, okay, do we have the right people on the team and can we take care of them? You know, that's one of the things, Sturge, you know, he can attest to. We talk a lot about is, okay, do we have 
enough money in the bank to make sure all these people are going to be taken care of by the time we get to 2022. Because 2021 is going to be tough. I think we all know we're, we're looking yeah. into that. I mean, it is going to be a rough ride. And, you know, I, it's, it's uh, actually unbelievable the, to hear you say that number, Sturge. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah but the, the, the crazy part about it is at the end of the day, you're looking at, although we're a vendor, we're not a promoter, right? We have warehouse full of gear and we need somebody to promote an artist for our gear to leave our warehouse. So we're, I mean, we're, we're asked out. I mean, we don't create the work. We're, we're here to provide a service. So it's, you know. Speaking of which, how much warehouse space are you taking up nowadays? Oh <laughs> my God. The warehouses are full. The warehouses are full. Yeah, without That's a doubt. Setup. And how do you guys cope? Like, is it you just saying, okay, this is a great time to revamp some stuff and update and such? You try, you know, in a positive function, as I know you're trying to move forward. Well, I'll, I'll let Sean talk about it, but we have pivoted in a in a large way when it comes to um, Claire IT. Is like the entire A Day Sound sales team and their sales team have turned into uh, video and TV sales guys, right? <laughs> With our new VLA product, we're literally, <laughs> you laugh, but it's serious. We're, we're yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking to more TV stations than I am talking to production sure. managers, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to sell virtual live audience. Yeah. I mean, at this moment, it's the shortest path to getting people back to work. Wow. So when, when you look at, well, first let's step back, you know, the Claire team has been running at, um, really understanding um, networking technology and how to integrate it into the live event space. We've been taking, you know, it, we don't really market it. It's in the background, but we've been 10 years in building these teams out and I'll deep dive as far as you guys want to go, but I, I won't bore you with the details. But when this happened, it was like, holy shit, we understand wide area networking and low latency media streaming. What do we need to really get people working again, assuming that, that promoters and everybody struggle for a while? And the answer one of the answers, there's a bunch of stuff we're working on, but one of the answers was virtual live audiences. And so there's a gig coming up in, in a week or so's time where we're going to have 16 crew working remotely as moderators. They're basically virtual ushers. It's a, it's a very, you know, we have to train the skill set, but they're going to be bringing in these virtual live audience members to this, you know, pretty large uh, event that's going to take place. And, you know, they're doing that for The Voice and they're doing it for the Ellen DeGeneres show and they're going to be doing it for People's Choice Awards. So to Sturge's point, we're doing a, a gig with the BBC uh, today. today, today, yeah, actually. Today. So anyway, so we now have it on both sides of the pond. So it's, you know, we, we don't, um, you won't find moss under our feet. We don't sit still for very long. <laughs> we, we, uh, when, when this all went down, we were like, Oh my God, you know, how do, how do we get to work? And, and you just, but you were already working. low key, but it appears that like you're well, already well, let's talk about curve, that for a second. So. Because yeah, we were I, lucky I think it's there. worth clarifying yeah, sure, right. that you guys actually were planning this merger before COVID hit. Am I right? So this has been long time in the works. So, Sure. Where there yeah, are right. other yeah. companies that are going to end yes. up being acquired because they ran out of money or they were having issues or they figured the best path forward would be to combine forces. That wasn't the case with Eighth Day and Claire. That you guys had been thinking about this a long for a long time. Serge, you, you sound like you want to chime in. 
No, we um, we've been working on it since November of last year. We were meant to um, announce in April, the first week in April. We were ready to go, and then uh, the pandemic hit, and we uh, put it on pause basically because you know, Matt- it was just insensitive to uh, announce this merger when uh, yeah, there's no work. <laughs> Okay, they merge for what? In, for what? Okay, <laughs> happy for them. They get to count boxes together. Yeah. Well, and Matt, one of the things that that's, I guess, the most impactful thing for me as I watch that whole arc take place, is the fact that that Tom Arco and my father are are just. I have unbelievable admiration for those guys because ninety nine percent of deals in in an environment like this will fall apart. But those guys were able to sit there at the table and put the spreadsheets aside and say, okay, what do we both believe in? And we, they both believe, you know, the live event industry is coming back. I mean, without a doubt, you know, what, what it means to be at a live event when the lights go down, the hair stands up on the back of your neck, you know, why Kyle Hamilton's not running off to, you know, work in some warehouse is it, it matters a lot. And the other piece was that the people that make that happen, the people in our companies are the most important part of making that happen. So we, the, the two of them got together and we figured out, Hey, we can, we can, we can accomplish. So if eighth day and, and Claire would have gotten together, no pandemic, it would have taken us five years to accomplish the things we're doing in five months. I mean, we are, everybody's getting to know each other. We're, we're able to streamline things operationally. The eight day guys are like, Whoa, okay. You do it like that. Have you thought about this? And we're like, no, we haven't like let's, and we're able to get that sort of alignment really quickly. And that's the exciting piece is let's say fall of next year, it all bounces back. Like it very well could, you know, we're going to be set up to be able to rise to that challenge rather than the challenge I know a lot of other companies are going to have, which is, uh-oh, we didn't take care of our people. And and they went they went elsewhere. So let me ask you a follow-up question to that then. So, I, I mean, all of that sounds smart and good to hear you're using your time wisely and you figured out your efficiencies. And it sounds like, you know, you were fortunate to be actually working this out and thinking about this pre-pandemic because it really gave you the opportunity to accelerate the process because you were already getting into it as opposed to realizing, holy shit, what now? And then starting to catch up. But here's my biggest concern post-pandemic as as I'm thinking more and more about this and talking to more and more people about it. I believe coming out of the pandemic and, and by that, I mean when we are getting back to work, whether it's socially distant shows or whether everybody's going to, you know, wearing masks and, you know, there's fucking sanitizer all over or however the fuck this is going to happen. I believe there's going to be a certain amount of road fatigue among people that have not been to work on tour. Oh, for, yeah. Absolutely. For, and, and I think it's going to be at least a three to six month process of basically – get you know getting your muscle memory back on on getting back in a rhythm on on figuring out how to actually you know get back into get back to work efficiently and everybody doing the right thing and everybody being their way they're 
where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be. Just, again, muscle memory. What are you going to do to prepare for that? You seem to be ahead of the curve so far. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the curve and be prepared for that that happenstance? Sure. So, Sturge, I mean, jump in if I miss any piece. Uh, I think one of the pieces is, you know, what are we doing you know, would, would be a, a, a first step. So part of it is we have prioritized getting people back to work above all else. So everybody understands there's touring budgets and there's equipment revenue and, and all of that. One of the things we've said is we're going to work with, um, you know, people that are promoting shows to be able to help get people back to work. So when I, when we talk about the virtual live audience piece, like there's people that are there, you know, running the audio and the video and the lighting associated with that particular production. There's guys that are remotely because it, mixing it is, is something that's a bit different. So they're remotely coaching mixers or people are remotely mixing. Um, so step one is how busy can we keep people and rotate that? in this down period. And then the other piece is, you know, setting ourselves up for training and making sure that when people touch, you know, the technical equipment, it isn't at the first show, you know, we're, we're planning on, Hey, it's going right. to cost us more to get going because we got to fly guys in. We got to, you know, run right. them through. We got to make sure that, you know, so they're, the they're plan is, speed. as Sean said, when we do, anything, an event, is to bring everyone involved with that show, bring them in, get them back up to speed, make them prep the gear, so when they go to work, it is 100%. They know everything. You know, before, you could send a guy from his house to the gig, and the gear would show up and meet him. You cannot do that in 2021. And there's okay. a cost associated with that. I mean, yeah. that, that's one of the and things we're going to eat seeing. that cost. Hundred percent. Like we're we're setting that that money aside so that we're prepared for the ramp up. That's one of the things we talk about. Is there there are companies that are like, okay, what do I need to do to get to the other side? But they're not even thinking about how do I ramp back up. You know that that's I, real because you as can't you guys just. Said. It's it's not about the equipment. It's about the people. Hundred percent about the people with the equipment. Like everyone has the same gear, right? That's right. why it's okay for us to come together. I mean, we all have the same gear, but at the end of the day, we need, you know, like I used to be the first one to say over at Eight Day Sound, "Don't let me call Claire for my wireless rack." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, you know, uh, like you know, N type. Right, that was a thing that Eight Day Sound never used N-type connectors. Well, all they use is Claire's N-type connectors. Where's my N-type connectors? I'm like, <laughs> I want everything N-type on Drake. They say, hate me. I have my own space on the wall with all Sean's cable here at Eight Day because it'll only be N-type connectors. And how I discovered the secret of N-type. A one-off with a cleric. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it's like you see other people's secrets and you steal it. Hell yeah. It's, that's just the name of the game, right? So not not one sound company had it, right? Not 
you know, they don't have everything right. I don't have eight day doesn't have everything right, but let's let's see what we got right and bring it together and make sure our people know everything about systems. That's the other thing too, you know. When what happens when Chris said, Hey, I want my eight day sound monitor tech, and Kyle says, I, I want this guy from uh Claire to be my front of house tech. Well, they need to know how we package our stuff. And so there's a lot of learning. That's why we have to bring people together is just to familiarize themselves with um, what they're going to go work with. So do you guys now believe that you have the innovative edge the way the company has been reformed? Not really. We just have we just have um, about, you know, more gear than everybody else out there uh, and the will and the drive. And people's families to feed where we're going to be, you know, we, the sales team have nothing else to do but to feed everyone's family. It's about people now. It's not about gear. You know, it's about taking care of people. Like, as you said in your opening monologue, it's just that there's, there's desperation coming out of this, right? There's a lot of debt coming out of this. It's just, I don't care who you are, you know, um, if we're, we're gonna we're going to have to help the people that we know once gigs start back. That's just the nature of it. I think one of the things I'm excited to see progress during this time is it's it's giving us that moment to step back from the day-to-day grind and and take on some of those more, you know, long-term um, initiatives. So an example, you know, we got a lot of people thinking about the sustainability, um, from an ecology standpoint of, of touring, you know, okay, how do we place equipment more intelligently across the globe so that transportation expenses for the client go down and they're not, you know, having a larger carbon footprint or something eighth day is bringing to the table is we're, we're doing a lot of conversation about how do we, um, recruit from a more diverse set of, of, um, areas. So, you know, how do we not just create a company that has a culture of, um, uh, equality and, and, um, you know, where they feel comfortable communicating, but how do we make sure we're finding people from a more diverse background? So those are some of the things too, Matt, that I think matter as, as the industry ramps back up that, we don't just have what we had pre-corona, uh, but we have actually put together a, a more efficient machine, I guess, is, is it's not just, you know, how quick does a, a particular product move through, through the, uh, the warehouse. It's also, you know, hey, how are we going about, you know, recruiting and, and when we move gear and why? So if you don't mind me asking, what specifically are you doing to cultivate this new talent? What is it that you're doing in order to bring new people in? Um, yeah, we are working right now with Diversify the Stage. It's, uh, uh, what's Noel's last, uh, Skag, Noel Skag, yeah, Noel Joel and Skags. Jerome Crooks. I don't know if you know Jerome Crooks. We're working with both of them, but 8 Day Sound and Claire have both have internship programs, uh, you know, those guys know eight days, a very diverse company. We, you know, we have 
African-American females, we have Asian males, we have lesbians, gay guys, we, you name it, we have it on, um, as employees. So there's no, you know, so unfortunately because of the pandemic, our intern program is on hold right now because the warehouses are shut down. So we're working with Diversify the Stage. They are working with different institutes in different regions of the country. So when we come back, the first set of interns are the ones that they're going to place um, and they're finding the interns, which are going to be uh, minority, uh, you know, minority, different backgrounds. So, and we'll be able to place them in our warehouses. So we'll do, you know, warehouse interns in Cleveland, Lidditz, Nashville, uh, Los Angeles. They actually start the, it started this week. Actually, the first set of seminars are today. I can send you guys a link if you know of anyone that um, can, you know, join the Zoom calls and listen in and know how to join. But yeah, that's uh, Sounds good enough. That, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's where we're going. Yeah, that's huge. You know, it's it's kind of I will I will rewind to a, um, and I'm sure I don't know if Kyle or Chris had to do this, but myself back in in the '90s, you know, I would look around and I would say, you know what, I open up. Uh, you know, Polestar and I'm, you know, open up Pro Sound News and I look at all these names on these tours and who's doing it. And I would just say, no, to hell with this. I got Chris Lamb's phone number and I called up Chris Lamb and was like, okay, all right, young kid. And he invited me to uh, Janet Jackson Red Velvet Rope Tour at Madison Square Garden. I went down there and he introduced me to Greg Hall, who works at Claire. And I end up doing work for Claire through me just kicking down the door, you know, uh, not anyone saying, oh, hey, you know, do you want this gig? Well, I kicked Chris Lamb's door down. I bugged the shit out of him. He heard from me every damn Wednesday at about 930 in the morning. Oh, I guess Sean's going to be calling me. But you know right? what? You know what? That's the difference between our generation and today's generation. Yeah. I mean... Me personally, when I got under AJ's wing and followed him everywhere he went, became his shadow um, in the studio. And then he did live as well. You know, most people, kids now don't want to intern. They want it now. They go right. to school for a hot second. They come out saying, I'm, uh, I'm certified on this, that, and the third. But they're certified on all the older versions. Nothing current. Yes, it's hard. And yes, at the end of the day, it's like trying to throw a rocket to the sky. But the industry is this big, you know, is one degree of separation from everybody. And so if you're not being assertive and aggressive, you know, people are going to look past you. But you have to put you have to want it. People expect now they're entitled. Well, you should just give it to me. I should get this. I deserve that. You don't deserve <laughs> shit. You haven't done anything. Right. It is a... Um... It's such a hustle. It is such a hustle. And it's, um, I do not see the same amount of hustle uh, that, yeah, our generation had to put in to get where we, we are today. You know, it's, it's, um, I hear certain statements and I just laugh because, 
Like, it hasn't been easy, man. It has not. Half you know, the kids like, now don't even understand signal flow. Give them a uh, give them somebody a session. You know, give me a uh, uh, give me your uh, your file. Your Fuck file. a file. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Build a Build session it. from scratch. Yeah, right. I don't need why. Why do I want your file? Well, why you, you may you have know. you have may have been fired. Why do I want your file that you got fired for? Build your own <laughs> shit. Zero. It's yeah, all ones and right. zeros. Start from scratch. Don't understand. Please. People don't understand that shit. I'd be sitting by looking at these guys. I'm talking about. A lot of engineers now um, lean heavily on the SEs, on the systems engineers. They don't patch shit. They don't program their own console. The system engineer is doing everything for them. It's like, yo, you don't even know the deaths, but you ask for all this shit. That that shit wears me out. I just sit back and look. I'm like, wow. Well, that's because then, the whole the whole thing has shifted, though. We we came from a a, a generation where we there was no social media. You know, there, there, there was no internet. There was no anything. All we saw were magazines and word of mouth. So our introduction to audio was, as you do say, it yourself. <laughs> do it yourself and finding somebody to give you a, a, a shot to come in and shadow. I want to just see what you're doing or working in a shop. Like, you know, that was our start. This new generation now has the opportunity to see the glitz and glam of being an engineer versus working your way up in the shop, loading trucks, pulling cables, Packing things, building racks, and learning every facet of the company to be a well-rounded engineer. That's the issue now. We don't have well-rounded engineers who know every single part of the the system. Yeah, you're right about that because there's a lot of shows I have given to people and more or less is like, all you got to do is make sure the Cinti's right and they'll fire every snapshot for you. The whole thing is programmed. (laughs) You don't have to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Just... Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Mm-hmm. Moving on from that, then, let's think ahead. Claire and Eighth Day have historically both always leaned heavily on innovation and self-innovation by bringing new par- products to market, mm-hmm. you know, advancing new technologies. What is it you're going to do, then, as this new super company to keep that innovation growing? What's next in the world of audio that our listeners would like to know about today? Sure. Well, I mean, first, you have to keep investing in it. So when you look at Claire, for example, our engineering department actually is growing during this time period because we know that exactly what you said, Matt, is you have to constantly obsolete yourself, obsolete what's out there to be driving things forward. And then the other thing I think that you'll see if you're if you're looking at, okay, what are we putting energy into, that is having a presence in places where we're not already. So I think you'll see our Latin footprint continue to grow because frankly, there there's a lot of opportunity there. When you when you look at Latin artists and the explosion that's taking place there, but what it's like for them in North America compared to you know, some of these other regions they, they roll through, there's a great opportunity to create consistency across, uh, you know, both hemispheres there. So I, I think those are some of the things that I think we all should look forward to, because I, I believe, hopefully, we see a, a, a global touring market that expands beyond just, you know, the A markets that we know, you know, Europe, U.S., Australia, 
and you know a very quick stint through Asia, I think there's an opportunity to grow that where you're able to spend more times in foreign markets because the uh, the support to to deliver at a high level is there. We're gonna we're gonna go into uh, Argentina and Spain. Yeah, mm. I mean th- those are first steps, but I mean yeah. you know right now you're gonna go in step- Argentina. Well, well we've been, wow. yeah, we've, yeah, we've been, been in Argentina, but it's, <laughs> it's the same way it's going everywhere, really. Everywhere else, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the, we, we mentioned before we're a people-based business, right? So what we're doing is we're taking this time to, to meet new people. I mean, if, if I look at how my day is spent, I'm meeting new people every day, not just in the, you know, the live production space, but also the venue space, but all over the world, because I believe that coming out of this, there's a big advantage to create consistency across that touring experience. And, and I think that productions are going to make the decision that, um, they don't have to ship it all, um, and the other piece is, you know, circling back to the diversity conversation, when you have a more diverse, you know, places that you're working out of, they're contributing to the way we're working everywhere else as well. And we all get better by sharing and, and learning from each other's perspectives. So, that, I mean, that's the thing that that is getting me the most excited lately is as we're, you know working with people that are all over the globe we're 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 a company that's better at listening than than we've ever been and so we're learning a tremendous amount and it's it's awesome i just want to point out that that the question what are you going to innovate and and i led into it by suggesting that you've been on the leading edge of technology but what you said instead which does answer the question. I don't mean to suggest that you didn't answer the question. I'm here to answer that question, but I'll let you finish. <laughs> okay, but what you're doing, what Sean just said, that you're doing to innovate is expanding your market share into new territories and developing more of a localized model, one where you don't necessarily need to load a PA onto a plane or a boat and move it from the U.S. to South America. You can actually use the equivalent PA that's in and now coming out of that region, that you have local techs and local resources in South America. It's, it's something I agree with, which is a giant step forward, you know, in terms of environmental concerns and building a more sustainable model of moving tours around the world by by focusing on local economies, by driving money mm-hmm. to local vendors, by hiring people in the geographic regions we go, instead of moving the same massive collection of U.S.-based people and equipment all across the globe. Although I do think the question will be in terms of consistency. Which is not to say that's not something yeah. we can overcome, but I do think that's the critical factor in terms of maintaining yeah. consistency. So, so overall, I think what you're saying is really smart. Please keep going on that. And then Sturge, you tell us about the technology. Sure. I mean, let me speak to it because you hit the nail on the head. I, I, 
I believe one of the biggest opportunities we have to innovate is, you know, social innovation. And when you talk about that benefit, yes, a key piece of it is leaving the the money in those foreign, you know, countries and building up the people that that are part of it, but it's not just they only get exposed to this when when the tour comes through their region. It's going to be with intention bringing people out of Puerto Rico and Argentina and Mexico and Spain and putting them on the cruise that are tr- that are touring across Europe and the US and having these crews that are mixed in such a way that they are learning from each other and it's it's not a one-way street it is absolutely in my opinion a 1 plus 1 equals 3 scenario because that sort of perspective sharing cultural sharing is monumentally important. And then when somebody then, you know, returns to their home region or somebody from Claire, I had somebody call me up the other day, my, my, uh, my fiance can't move to America. Can I work out of Brazil? Absolutely. You can, Mm. you know, go there, be with the person you love. Like we're, we're going to be there. And that's what I want to have happen where we can freely move and really, you know, you know, be a global company. It's it's not mm-hmm. just in the name. Mm-hmm. Sturge, yeah. please jump in. Technology here. Um, this helps. This helps engineers in a big way, right? And um, Sean's one of the people that have pushed this. You go to a show. You have your SD seven quantum. You have your thirty two bit cards, but you have a playback rig spitting out forty four. How <laughs> like, how can we help? How can we help the playback industry get at least 48 or 96 into our systems to make it just, you know, that's where, that's where we're going with technology. And that's a very important thing. And I think, Chris, you, you do agree. Right. I, I definitely agree. I think I think that that's always a missing element when it yes. comes to building shows is that trying to find the most efficient way to do it so that it also translates when you go to another country or to another leg of the tour or whatever. But I believe that a lot of tours when they get orchestrated are not equipped to handle their production properly. 96K, baby. Exactly, and, and I, just, I think I, I think had to I jump back in real quick. <laughs> I was on the departure mode, but you hit forty-eight, fuck me up. No, no, but what happens is that most of these artists, when they record, right, they can't take it to ninety-six, right, from their playback system, and that has always been the problem. You go, Not Maddie. The analog, yeah, they don't understand that. But that's, that's but what that's, it's it's not it's not it's not what we want is what these playback guys. <laughs> but that yeah, that's what it's that's all the, they know the and what they take out of the advance. Yeah, you talk about that before we get going. Like, Yo, Playboy, ninety six. <laughs> but yeah, you know I, that, that that's you know. But you know my frustration, right? Oh, most definitely. Most oh definitely. my gosh. Like, that's, get that's, out that's, of that's, here. That's the whole thing. That's even like, you know, even a situation like with sharing digital racks. Yeah. You know, guys don't understand how, you know, how a, how a loop works and oh. how to share racks properly and then integrate that Maddie playback rig into your rack 
and everybody yes. sees the same thing. And it's, somebody it's less, firing off snapshots and wearing out somebody else's it does. Oh, exactly. Please and thank you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that, that, that aspect is missing. That note, that needs. I'm out. Peace. What's <laughs> <laughs> your contribution? Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's key. I think, classic. I think that, that's, that's a missing element that needs to be addressed. Okay, I got to jump in here as a non-audio person. In Dallas, I see your eyes glazing over too. Can you please dumb it down for us non-audio people? Come on, Sturge, you got it. I'm going to let Chris go for it. No, we're, we're talking about seemingly having less gear. If we're sharing the digital stage racks, the actual mic connections go into the stage rack and it's transmitted to the desk. Instead of having... Re- Two separate systems, one for front of house, one for monitors. And if you have two monitor engineers, you've got multiple racks. We're talking about having one centralized system where everything goes in and all those desks see that one rack. And then bringing the playback element, instead of dumbing it down from 44.1 and taking it into an analog split, you're now digitally in a complete closed system. And the sample rate, that's what we're talking about from 48 to 96K. So just to be a little provocative, are you suggesting that having a front of house, a monitor engineer, and a playback operator is effectively something that can be improved from an efficiency standpoint? And moving forward, we don't necessarily need all three? No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying saying that we're saying that it simplifies the connections. Look at Matt. Look at Matt trying to cut the budget. (laughs) I thought he was trying to fit this into a budget. It turned into a budget conversation. Always trying to cut. See, Matt. See, Matt. We're talking about innovation. He goes right to cut the budget. You asked the question. Hold on. Hold on. on. (laughs) Consider the possibility that what I was talking about was efficiency, sustainability an improved function from an environmental standpoint and not just a monetary expense. We still need three seats on the PJ. <laughs> yeah. but we, are, we are talking about reducing, we are talking about reducing the amount of equipment. Which carries through as less weight is, right. for cargo. Okay. So we are. Good, okay. Know. Okay. Right. okay. See, yeah. it translates. You got to yeah. talk through the question in order to get yes. the answer. We're bringing down rack space. It is my job to ask the questions. <laughs> I'm just asking the questions. We just dumped two gray racks so we can make a wall. So that's we're, it's truck space. We're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So more room for more lights. Exactly. More Different, for truck. More <laughs> Different truck. <laughs> okay. Well, before we go, we've asked you questions about the merger. We've asked you questions about audio. And before we let you get out of here, we always go into a series of quick hits which will have you answer individually, but first, again, is there anything else about the merger that we haven't touched on? Sean Claire? Well, just that we're, we're always learning, right? So we're figuring it out as, as we move along. So anybody out there with ideas, you know, reach out. We want to be talking to everybody because I know there's, there's things we're probably missing. Um, you know, we always want to be approachable. So please. You know, reach out. Sturge? We're here for everyone. As Sean said, um, I actually reached out to Chris. Should have said it earlier, but, you know, I reached out to Chris. I reached out to Jeremy. It just so happened I didn't get a chance to reach out to Kyle yet. But um, I've always been that guy to reach out to people and say, hey, let's, um, 
let's work more together, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, we're here to give you the tools. We are your, um, you know, we're your Home Depot. Come and get the right tools to finish the job, please. Banks, as our resident audio expert, since MF decided to leave early today, anything else you'd like to ask before we go into our quick hits? No, I, I mean these these guys they, they've covered it. We 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 know that we're going to have more inventory for one. That's our biggest concern as, you know, these guys, we want the inventory. We don't be told that we have to substitute something or we got to figure it out. You know, we are happy about that. I think, um, you know, we just want to hear more about the innovation and how things are going to get streamlined better. And, but you guys have answered a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm optimistic. Looking forward to it. Good. Cool. So gentlemen, going into our quick hits, the first question that goes to all of our guests, I think you might have answered this already, starting with Sturge, first tour. First tour was um, Carlos Vives, Colombian artist, South America, 1992. Sean <laughs> Clair? Wow. Yeah, first, first tour would have been the police tour that you rattled off at the beginning. <laughs> But but the hardest first gig I had was the 4th of July presentation at Lidditz PA because you got all the guys who aren't on tour there watching. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a rough one. Critiquing everything. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. All right. Favorite tour? Oh, man. That's not fair. Um, my, I would say it was my last tour. It was, uh, it was Drake. Last year in uh, Europe for three months. Yeah. I showed up at the gig Stop. at 7 p.m. every day. Wow. So. Finish. I was finished on tour. I was done touring. So when you're done touring. We call that the white glove treatment. <laughs> that, that might be platinum glove level. That might be platinum glove level for sure. Sean Claire? Sure. So... Mine would have been a festival. So I worked CMA festival for years and those people were just awesome. Like it was a, as Rob Bull would call it a hey fucker fest. Uh, It was, it was a lot of fun. My favorite. And I believe the most important question we've asked every guest, if there's any one thing about the industry that you'd like us to do better, what is it? Sturge? Diversity. Yeah, I was. I'm jump on that same thing: inclusion and and diversity. I think we have a tremendous opportunity there, and I I'm hopeful the coming years we see a big shift. We're gonna see it. We're gonna see it. Well, on that note, thank you both very much. Any shout outs or parting shots? Shout out, West Coast. East Coast is the best coast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Sean Claire? <laughs> no, I'm I'm all good. Just happy that, that you guys had me on board. You know, thank you, Matt and Christine and Chris. It was it was awesome. Kyle Hamilton, who was there, just say hi to his av- his picture. <laughs> Kyle, more important things to do for those who aren't with us. He has had to skip out, but we don't begrudge anybody that has gainful employment in this day and age beyond the podcast and beyond the odd pickup gig here and there. So kudos to him. 
Brother Banks, any parting shots or shout outs? Uh, I just want to say to everybody, we talked about uh, still being that hustler. You know, that's what we stand for. Hustle like you broke. Uh, don't get complacent where you are right now. Continue to learn. Reach out to people, network, talk, anything that you're unsure about. Study it. Come back better than what you were. For those that are just starting out, I want to say definitely learn every single facet of the business. Don't be that guy that just wants to be a mixer or whatever. There are so many different avenues in this industry that you can make great money doing and work forever and make amazing relationships with. But um, learn everything that you can, you know, learn every single facet of the business and um, stay positive. Dallas? Well, you know, Chris was so eloquent with his positivity there i'm just gonna stick with wash your hands and please vote it is critical our lives depend on it at this point and let's hope we survive next week guys <laughs> we'll be fine my shout out i'm hopeful we get through this election cycle and to a better place that the civil unrest is able to be contained i appreciate our guests i appreciate our listeners I especially appreciate the reference towards the end about maybe a more global but localized model. I do believe that part of innovation is expansion into new territories and taking advantage of more local resources, which in and of itself does have an element of diversity, which is also extremely important. So for Sean Clare, Sean Sturge, you guys were fantastic. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for talking about the merger. Thank you for talking about the future. Thank you to my co-hosts. I'm sure Mr. Motherfucker would say something about washing your damn hands. So I will relay that on his behalf. And with that, to our listeners, as always, we thank you and good night. Good night.